From Hanover, New Hampshire, I'm Lee Coffin, Dartmouth's Dean of Admissions and Financial Aid, and welcome to the Admissions Beat. Hello again, everybody. We have uh, part two of our admission checklist for nervous seniors. It picks up where last week's conversation left off. And I'm joined once again by Daryl Tiggle, Director of College Counseling at the Friends School of Baltimore, Erica Rosales, Executive Director of College Match in Los Angeles, and Kate Boyle Ramsdell, Director of College Counseling at Noble and Greeno School in Dedham, Mass. Everyone, thanks for joining me on this podcast. And I guess an interesting place to start this conversation might be piggybacking on our season premiere, which uh, Alina Hicks from SMU and I reflected on all the admission headlines that have been um, appearing all across the media all summer long. And I'm wondering, as people in schools and programs working directly with kids and parents, are the headlines on the minds of your families this fall, or is, is the news, whether it was the Supreme Court uh, ruling about race-conscious admissions or the question of legacy or testing or any of this, is this something that's distracting your seniors as they open their senior fall, or are the headlines distracting to people like me and not so much to the families in your schools? I don't, I don't think my, my children and families are distracted, but we're trying our very best to make sure that they're well-informed uh, about these changes and about the sort of you know, evolution of things that sort of happen in admissions. And, and we've always tried to do that. Um, but one of the things that's made us especially, I think, conscious about it um, is that we're a, you know, a super diverse and we've become more and more diverse, especially over the last several years. And we're a community that you know, kind of pays attention to that stuff, right? So it's a smaller Quaker school where it's something that, uh, they, you know, they really try to, you know, I think, be on top of things that are going on in culture. So um, we try to make sure our students are understanding it in terms of how it might, you know, manifest in admissions. And, you know, when we're doing student parent, um, you know, events, we we communicate things that we are, you know, eloquent enough to to give them good intel on to make sure they're on top of it. So for us, for College Match, and College Match is in Los Angeles, um, in California, mm-hmm. uh, California Affirmative Action was outlawed in 1996. This decision um, came as a shock maybe to me and my family, but you know, very personal. But I think for College Match, it's not something that's distracting our students. It's, all, it's something that College Match is used to working with. All of our students apply to the UCs and get into the UCs. It does remind us that the it's it, it really did put the responsibility back on the student to to talk about their context. So the conversations that our staff and our volunteers have had is like, how do we make sure that students are comfortable with talking about their context and they understand how important it is? And then the other piece, because we do work with high school with high, with cohorts at high school sites. Um, and we like to think our, as, as ourselves as supplement supplementing the services at the high school um, that the high schools offer is how can we help our high schools tell their context better? 
um, because we are working with public high schools where oftentimes the counseling staff doesn't have the time or the resources to update their profiles. So we have been in talks about how do we provide those opportunities um, to, to give them the information and maybe what types of statistics they should be highlighting to provide the context yeah. so that we help more students beyond our college match students. Erica, in a, in a fairly different community, it's interesting that we're having some of the same conversations and it's, you know, we work with kids kind of like Daryl does across the socioeconomic spectrum, across the sort of racial and background spectrum. And I think one of the real challenges for some of our kids, and this is a little bit more about their day-to-day -day with their peers, is where people might be making assumptions about what they believe and also where they might be not wanting to have to write an essay that offers context because there are lots of other parts about their life that they would like to share. But then some real fear, right? That if I don't do that, um, I may not open doors for myself that if a school continues to seek an interesting and diverse community, they might otherwise be interested in my, you know, candidacy holistically. So it is, it's, I think it's going to be, I know we've seen it happen in, in California and what it's done to the state system in terms of its demographics, but I do have some hope that at places like Dartmouth where Lee is and people can truly do a holistic review that there will, that that will remain um, and that kids will be read as whole people. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I asked this question because I did a, a program last night at a at a high school for senior parents, and these questions came up. They were very distracted by the headlines, and I was trying to do a kind of a, here's how an application gets reviewed, and they kept raising their hand and saying, I read yesterday, fill in the blank, and so it was on my mind that, you know, I, parents especially are consumers of news. And the news on this admissions beat um, is pretty active right now. And so it's helpful, you know, as we start talking about checklists for senior fall, I would almost say, try and tune out the admission, not this podcast, but the admissions beat through the national media, because it seems to be pr a pretty steady source of storylines that might get you more off track than on track as your list and your applications come together. Um, and just to plug for that episode, I thought you all did a great job having listened to it of laying it out clearly and thoughtfully. So if listeners haven't, haven't listened to it, it's quite good. Yeah, little promo. For, <laughs> um, so senior year schedules, particularly in the selective admission zone, colleges expect students to be pursuing a rigorous course of study, usually five classes per term, if not more. Does that count? Like why the senior year matter on the academic side? I mean, I think it can matter for a bunch of different reasons. One is uh, sometimes for students, they're taking maybe the most rigorous schedule that they've taken in high school. And so it's an opportunity for them to show a college that they can do work at that next level and, and do it well. Um, for some other students, they might have had like a rougher start or some hiccups earlier on in their high school career that maybe aren't totally indicative of the kind of student that that's going to show up at the college. And I think even though your whole record still counts, um, I think sometimes I'll say to families, you know, kids have struggled in a high level physics class in junior year, 
well, is this just a blip on the radar or is this a pattern, right? Like, are we now kind of at the point where you've hit that quant wall? So I think for a lot of kids, they're growing up and they're changing and their brains are developing and they're just getting better and better at this school thing all the time, right? And so you want to try to see that upward trajectory. I think it also might send up a different kind of flag we could talk about if it's been smooth sailing all along and then senior year, you just start to kind of fall off. And it doesn't seem like you're as engaged and things aren't going as well. And a college might want to know why that why that is. Yeah, maybe this is not surprising, but colleges ask for updates. So you've got a transcript in the file that runs through the end of 11th grade. And those are final grades from 9, 10, and 11 in whatever format your high school puts a grade on a transcript or Sometimes there's no grades and it's more of an evaluative comment, but we have a full complete set of information through the end of your junior year. And then we move into this roller coaster called senior year and your grades are works in progress. So we get progress reports. Um, so, you know, in the early round, we will ping your college counselor and say, Hey, can we see the first quarter, first trimester, first nine weeks, you know, some snapshot of how this senior year is starting to play out. Um, and then we come back and there's a formal part of the common app, the mid-year school report, which comes in with your mid-year grades. Um, sometimes you get third quarter in March. And then here's the big surprise. We get your final grades. Uh, after you enroll. So sometime between May 1st and the end of your senior year, your final grade report comes in and we look at it. So, you know, this work in progress from September through the diploma is something just to be aware that your academic performance is something we're paying attention to, the way it builds off of 11. What else, Daryl? Does that sound right? Yeah, it sounds right. And, you know, I think with our students, um, in terms of their their perspective on the senior classes, I'm chuckling because I'm looking at a, an email from one of my top students and she's taking six majors and she's like, Mr. Tiggle, do you think I could possibly drop Calc 2? Because she doesn't love Calc 2. She's just taking it because she wants it to look good on her college you know, admissions um, application. So, you know, they're at that crossroads. She's a dancer and 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 linguist but she's in Calc 2 and, and advanced physics. She's like, do I need to be doing all this? And I think my answer to her is not all this, but everything that you're doing, you need to be doing well through this journey, right? So I think it's that. They want to make sure they're taking the right things, that they're taking things that they can get good grades in and things that they can, you know, you know, that's life-giving. So, you know, continuing to do well has always been our message also. Yeah, senior year counts. How about teacher recs? So... Um, lots of teachers, my sister included among them, high school English teacher will say to me, oh, I, you know, she, she used to teach junior year English. And she said, I've got 20 something letters of recommendation from everybody in last year's class. So how should students be thinking about recommendations? Like who is the best person to fill out that recommendation on behalf of of a student. Erica, what, what's your guidance around recommendations? Yeah. So once again, this is where the student has a little bit of power. So you know where 
you have where you have shined the brightest and it's not necessarily the class where you got the A plus, right? Because we know that some subjects come easier to us than others, but it could be in that English class. And I'm using that example because my daughter is a science kid and she really does not like her English classes, but she tries really hard and she goes in and she goes to the office hours. And because of that, she's gotten to know that teacher really well. Um, so I always, it's, it's really important that you do get a teacher from the social science and then the math and science, right? So you want to cover the, the, the core, um, but it's all, it's a teacher who's going to be able to use, use great words to describe you and to describe you in that classroom. What type of student are you? Are you a student who's going to go above and beyond, who is curious, who even though Calc 2 isn't your subject, but you're going to continue and you're going to work hard and you're going to show that ethic to make sure that you're putting your best foot forward. But also it's really important that students, I always remind my college match because you're courteous and you give people the time to write you that letter. So hopefully people have already asked, students have already asked for that letter because we are in September. We're in the middle of the year. So you want to look at your junior year teachers or maybe even your senior year teachers that you're trying to get to know um, and making sure that you ask in person, but also follow up with an email and send reminders. And you can ask the teacher and also kind of prompt the teacher a little bit, right? This is why I'm asking you, right? I'm asking you because I did really well in this project that I that you that you assigned. Um, so once again, making sure that you are telling a different part of your story, right? So you have the power over the narrative, but the teacher can really talk about you as an academic student. And if this is helpful, one of the ways we've come to talk about teacher recommendations in inside the Dartmouth admission process is the phrase classroom presence and impact. For a student, think about who can best describe your presence in a classroom. And the, you know, I, as you look at your list, the smaller the place, the more important each seat mm -hmm. is in that place. So presence, you know, if you're in a student body like the one I represent, where most of our classes are 15, 14 students or smaller, classroom presence is important. Like how do you participate? How do you listen? How do you collaborate? How do you raise your hand respectfully, you know, as opposed to being the, the you know, the, the time vampire that's always talking and everybody's like, hey, I am trying to get in too. Um, but classroom presence is another way of thinking about whether a recommendation shares with us. And I would just say to the teachers out there listening who um, channeled my sister's question to me, which was, does this matter? It matters a lot. The recommendations from teachers are maybe the unsung heroes of selective college applications where those voices that animate a transcript and say, this B plus represents this. Um, this A plus, I mean, I've got recs over the years where A pluses don't translate into really interesting recommendations. And a, a, a B on the transcript syncs up with a deliciously interesting recommendation from a teacher who says, I'm a hard grader. This, this student performed exceptionally well and I want to give testimony to that. 
Erica, I'm curious. So you, you've worked at college match for many years and now you've got a daughter who's a senior in high school, who's living this in real time. And how, how, how does that sync with your like professional identity and your mom identity? Like now that I'm seeing it through the eyes of a kid who lives in my house. Oh my goodness. So I, it's because I'm living it and I get to see how she's reacting to it. And obviously I've done this for so long. I feel like, like by the virtue of osmosis or something, like she has all this expertise, like, and she does, right. She's heard all this great stuff. For some reason I was delusional and I thought that it would be less stressful for her. Right. But I just have to remember and it, it, to give all of my students grace. It is stressful. It is such a stressful process. Um, because like she told, she told me that she's like, it's my first adult decision, Mm. right? It's like where I go to college is my first adult decision and I am losing my childhood. So these are her. (laughs) (laughs) And obviously I don't always have those conversations with my students or I don't see that they've come to those realizations, but it's, it's, it's tough and you have to give them the space to have those feelings and the other part of it that I that I am appreciating more is how much, as a society, we've romanticized this whole process. Yeah. So it makes it very difficult for students to actually hear the pragmatic advice. I think we've given great advice today, but even then, somebody's going to listen to this and say, "Yeah, well, even though even though the stats say this, I'm still going to put all this time and energy into this." And it's because we have romanticized the the college application and college going process so much. So, and, and I see it, it's happening before my eyes. And part of my challenge is to just provide the space and listen and give her the hug when she wants the hug, right? I'm not the person who's going to tell her, this is what you should be doing. And I'm allowing myself to be led through the process. And I think modeling that we all need help and that we all should take the help that is provided to us when, when available. Yeah. Well, that's a great segue to one of my last questions, which is for parents. A lot of our listeners are the parents of the student on this journey. How can we reassure our parent friends about the senior fall and what's unfolding. I mean, so much of the work sits on the student's desk, laptop. Um, How do you guide parents to be helpful? I mean, I love what Erica just said, like, you know, let, let be led along this journey. Some people let that happen more readily than others, but what's the wisdom, Kate and Daryl to, to the, eager parents out there or the worried parents out there who want to play more of a role than, than their child might want, or they're just looking for some help around how do I keep things on track? You know, the thing that I tell my parents, I say, Mr. Tickle, um, what can I, what can I be doing? What should I be doing, you know, for my child in this process? And I go, the, the two things, the two, the two biggest things, um, make sure you're having a conversation around, um, you know, your financial wherewithal for this process. And to the extent that you can, please get them onto college campuses, bring them to colleges so they can try them on for size, and then maybe talk about college on those trips, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, On those road trips, in the airport, what have you. Um, The day-to-day, if they're at my school, my team's talking about it with them, their teachers are talking about it with them. It 
it might it might get to overload them, right? If if they're not getting as much support, right? Um, check in with them and and find out where they are in the process. If they don't have you know a college counseling team or or college match, and uh, and you know your child is a bright student who needs some help in the process, please do engage them. But um, if you know that they're already up and running and they're doing the right things, um, try to be one of the people that minimizes the stress and anxiety for them, right? Be the anxiety minimizer, get them to campus and let them know, you know, how much we can afford to send you to college with. Yeah. So any last tips, anything I didn't cover as a checklist for our nervous seniors? Um, and I know this is hard to get your arms around right now, but make sure you think about this. Please have some fun with this yeah. process. Please have some fun because the thing that you're about to go and do, it's going to be awesome, right? And you can only go to one place. Even if you got into all the colleges that you apply to, you can only go to one, right? So make sure that you're sort of looking at that goal of enrolling in college next fall, engage this process, have fun, and let the world know how wonderful you are. I'm smiling because when I worked with Daryl every day around five of 12, I'd hear that big booming voice wandering around the hallway going, hey, kids, let's go to lunch. Why are we having <laughs> that, that playfulness that, that he carries with him as a college counselor has been part of his persona for so long. But he's right. Like having fun with this process. And I said this in last week's episode, owning your senior year. Uh, and enjoying the the moment of being 17 or 18 is not to be overlooked. But Erica, what's your, any tips I missed? Well, I mean, I want to add to the having fun. You want to have fun your senior year, because that's what you'll talk about when you're 40 something years old, right? You're going to remember these great things. Um, but one thing that's happening now that you can do is, especially if you're at one of your uh, one of your high schools, I'm sure you have admission officers going around and visiting high schools. So that's happening for us here in LA, where help we help our high schools set up visits with admission reps. Show up, right? Show up because you want to know. This is part. It goes back to the beginning. Part of refining your list, making sure that you've done all of your research. So meeting somebody because this is a human process. Meeting an admission officer who might be reading your application might provide you some good insight. And we'll give you maybe a little a little upper hand, right? Because I'll put a person to an application. Kate, want to be closer? I'm thinking about a lot of things. <laughs> Everything you all have said is great. You know, one is uh, not admonishing the adults or the parents, really, in this case of kids' lives, but love the kid you have and not the kid you wish you had. Oh. I think that's critical. And then I think for kids, taking this long view and... You know, there's a lot of research out there that says the thing that leads to the happiest life is not, you know, once you have the resources you need, right, to have shelter and food and and all of those things is really about the depth of connections that you have with the people in your life. And fundamentally, good connections through a lifetime do lead to happiness and fulfillment, but actually also to a longer life for many people. And so I worry that when kids see each other as competition or don't like get into their senior year, have fun on their teams and their classes and their bands and their dance groups and in their jobs, right? And connect with the communities that they're around. They totally shortchange themselves. So I'm trying to beat that drum this year. Beat that drum, Kate. Uh, well, 
the three of you, as always, have had such a fun, lively conversation. I hope our listeners take comfort in the idea that they've got lots of good advice. They've got time to map it out. Um, we've given them a toolkit to be practical, on point, and organized. Always a treat to welcome you to the podversation on Admission Beat. And um, thanks so much for joining me on this admission checklist for nervous seniors. Thanks, Lee. Thanks so much. That was fun. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, next week, we'll be back with another episode of Admission Beat. For now, I'm Lee Coffin from Dartmouth College. Thanks for listening. <laughs>